Well, as he said, I'm Charles. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm honored to be able to share on this Father's Day with you. And, uh, you know, I am a, a father myself. Uh, I have a 25-year-old son, Zachary, and I have a 18-year-old son, Dominic, who played bass right here this morning. And then I have a 7-year-old daughter, uh, Camila, and uh, she's running around maybe in the kids' ministry doing something, maybe causing a little terror over there. I don't know. But uh, you're probably thinking you're, you're adding up those ages and going, man, he's a little all over the board there. So, you know, I'm, I'm learning how to be a father all over again and, uh, and love that. And, uh, you know, I want to touch just briefly on last week's service. I don't know who, did you, who was here last week and got to hear the message? That was an amazing message that Pastor Jamie put together on walking in humility and the amount of effort. I, I listened to it in here and then I listened to it twice again. And I was like, man, there was so much theology in that. There was so many wonderful things and encouragement. And I, if, if you haven't listened to that message, I encourage you because it, this message builds on that message. And, uh, and, and if you have listened to it, you should go back and listen to it again because it was really, really a good message. In fact, I just want to point out one of the lines that has certainly helped me today in mine. And when Jamie said you, too, I, you have to understand how low Jesus came when he was walking in humility, you have to understand how high he came from. That he came to be a part of our life. He loved us so much, you know. But today we're going to talk, we're going to spend some time talking about being a father. And I realize that it comes, uh, uh, you know, there's good, good things about it. Maybe some of you are like, man, it's not a great day for you, you know, but I, man, there's, but we have to learn how to walk these things out in our life and to do well and to please God with our life. And so I want to share open with a story. There was a, a young guy, a young kid, he was probably eight or nine years old, and his father uh, was a submarine uh, commander and captain. And so uh, when he was uh, a youth, a young kid, he now uh, plays in the, or did play in the NFL, but he had wrote a little book about fatherhood, uh, which I'd lost 20 years ago, <laughs> so I can't tell you who it is, but I remember this story specifically uh, about it. But he said that he went to the dock to say goodbye to his father as he was pulling out. Uh, the, the submarine had pulled away from the dock. The father had realized that he had left the car keys in his pocket. And so the son, eight years, nine years old, standing there with his mama, and the dad takes the car keys out and throws them to his son, and he's like, son, drive your mother home. And I'm like, so you can imagine this kid is just looking at these car keys. That's how he described it. He says it took forever for those keys to get here. And he's just like, don't drop the keys, you know? And he catches the keys, and, you know, and, and back in the day, you know, get, get, you know, getting in the truck or whatever they were driving and driving your mama home, I mean, that's what he was going to do. And he realized in his head that he was going to be the head of the house in that moment. So he caught the keys, he puts his mama in the, in the passenger seat, and he says, Mom, I'm going to drive you home. He puts the car in reverse, and not thinking that it was reverse, he put it in first gear and drove the car straight into the ditch. <laughs> so that was his entrance into being a man, was being called out. And being set aside, you know, and just, I know it might feel like I caught the keys, but then I drove it into the ditch. And, you know, life doesn't change much for us. You know, even as fathers, I got plenty of moments in my life where I, I didn't do well as a father. And I got other moments that I did do pretty well. And I want to remember those things. Nobody wants to be remembered for the times that you goofed up. But I want to share a few things about my earthly father. And before I share these things, I, I've worked these things out with my dad. 
I mean, I've, I've, I'm in a good place with God, with him, and he's, he passed away about five, six years ago. And so I don't mean any of these things, like I'm still hanging on to some of those things, but I want to share them in the sense of what I did have to work through. But, you know, my dad was, uh, had five brothers and two sisters, so there's eight of them all together. And uh, he grew up in Miami, and they actually had a property over there that they had two houses on. And one house was where all the boys lived. And then the other house was where mama and dad and the two daughters lived. Now the boys got to come over for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then after breakfast, lunch, and dinner was over, mama pushed them all out of the house. And you guys can go over there, you can do whatever. Now, these were boys, boys. I mean, they swam in the canals. They probably killed everything that was living between here and, and Davie, Florida. Who knows? But, it was, uh, but they probably fought each other, and they probably fought everybody that they were around. They were just those kind of, but they were brothers. But they had, I, so I remember as I was looking at my life, because my dad and I, we didn't spend a lot of time together. In fact, I would often say growing up, I was like, you know, I can think of certain times I could count on my hand that my dad actually took some time to hang out with me, and I don't mean that in any way that's degrading to him, that's because I had to come to some understanding about my father, that my father really, as you look at how he grew up, he never got anything to be a good father, and that really helped me have a lot of mercy on him, because as I looked at his life, I realized that he, he only gave me what he knew, and I gave my heart to Jesus uh, when I was 14 years old at the, at the, out on Sanibel, when it was the uh, Baptist Church of Sanibel, which is Pastor Jamie and Kim, they, they went out there, and I've been with them since I was 14 years old. And, uh, and I remember standing there and giving my heart to Jesus. And for a lot of ways, Pastor Jamie really fulfilled a fatherly role in my life. And others, others in this room have done that for me. And they helped me along where my earthly father couldn't. You know, and so I, I realized that if I'm going to be a good father, because I had to come to a, 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 some resolution with my dad, that I had to let him, uh, I had to give him to God. I had to give the way he did it. And I, we had a great ending together. I was there for his last moments in his life, and we got to pray with him, and we got to see him off to Jesus. I heard him cry out to the Lord, and I'll, I'll forever hold on to those things. But I wanted to, to kind of how this changed me is I ha if I'm going to be a good father, I'm going to first have to learn how to be a good son, right? And how do you become a good son when you haven't had a great father? Like, how do you get that? But this isn't an earthly father I'm talking about. Like I said, when I was 14, I gave my heart to Jesus and my heavenly father started to becoming a good father to me. And I became something more than what my earthly father had given me. And I had purposed that in my heart. But if I'm going to be a good father, I'm first going to have to learn how to be a good son. If you're going to be a good father, you're going to have to learn how to be a good son to our heavenly father. There's a lot of good dads out there. I mean, they kind of make me sick, really. I mean, they just give, they're just great dads, just naturally. I mean, they just give all their time. They never seem to complain. They never they just do everything just right. But you can be a good dad without being a good son in your relationship with God, and you're going to fall really short in what this life is really about. And so I want to look in Philippians 2. And I want to pick up this story in here, and Paul is writing uh, the church here, and he's asking them to, uh, he's trying to encourage them. He's been in jail or is in jail, and he's trying to keep them uh, encouraged as he's away from them. So let's look at verse 12 together. 
It says, therefore, my dear friends, and we could put fathers in there. Therefore, my dear fathers, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. First of all, let's just get rid of verse 12. I don't like that one. Let's go straight to 13. It's much better, much easier. No, we can't throw verse 12 out. First, we need verse 12. Like, for example, he says, as you've always obeyed. Do you guys always obey? I say, no, I'm seriously. I mean, if you do, do you always obey? Are you always good? Are you perfect? I mean, if you are, then please come up. You can take the mic because I really wrestled with this message. Oh, why, why would he say that? Therefore, my dear children, I, I think it would sound much better if he would say, as you sometimes obey. I like that. That's a little bit easier to deal with in my life. I can be a little bit human. But as you always obey, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's another big thing that, it's, uh, that, that we, I want to point out to you here, is that he not only tells us to, not al to always obey, but he says, in my, oh, not only in my presence, but in my absence. Now, fathers, moms, you have a teenager, you're leaving town for two weeks, right? Now, daughter, son, we're going to be gone. And we really think you should know a couple of things while we're gone. The first is, and you guys can shout it out, no parties. Now, why would you think that? I mean, what teenager is really going to go do that? I mean, you know, tell on yourself. Come on, who threw a party when your parents were gone? There you go. All right. So, there's sons and daughters looking right now. They're going, you did that? But he tells them this for a reason. Not only saying that you always need to obey, but in my presence, and much more outside of my presence. It's one thing to be a believer or to be a father when everyone is watching. For example, you've come here today, and I could say to you, because Paul's writing a little bit of sarcasm here, because nobody always obeys. Nobody always listens. I could say it this way. People, I know you always take notes, and you always bring your Bible to church. Right now, Jason, you can hand out some pens, and we have some Bibles on the back. That might make you feel a little bit better in that moment, right? But you, you, it's not just about being here. We don't get something out of just being at the church. He realizes that bad things can happen when, when God's not around, and bad things happen when, to kids when parents aren't around. And so he realizes that while he's away, he's trying to keep his church from falling into some traps from him not being around. He wants them to, because bad things do happen. I mean, historically, you can look at the Bible, and you can see what happened to Adam and Eve. When God wasn't there, what did they do? They ate from the tree. He came looking for them, and they what? They hid. Okay? Moses goes up on the mountaintop to, get some, to, to spend some time with God. What happens to the people while he's gone? They fell into sin. All of them. He came down, and they're just they're going crazy. He was so mad that he had a tantrum, and he threw his tablets down and had to go all the way back up and get some more. He was having a father moment. <laughs> you kids, you are so, I can't believe you would do this to me. I mean, I, he could say that, and I could almost envision myself saying that to my kids. 
how could you be that appreciative of everything that I do? You have that phone. You think that phone pays for itself? I mean, it's just like you always say a lot of things as parents in, the, in those moments. But he has a, a moment. He's got to go back up and he's got to get, get more. Jesus is out praying with his disciples. And he walks away and he leaves them. And what did they do? They fell asleep. When God walks away in our life, and he's, I know he's always with us, but there's moments that we're on our own. You know, you're not just a father when everybody's looking. Today is a day we come here, we hang out as, as a group and happy Father's Day. But man, when we walk out the door, we have to know that, we're, that, that we're, we have to be a father there too. You're not just a Christian when you come to church. You need to be a Christian the rest of the week. You have to let God work in your life the rest of the time. And it's the same as a father. If I'm only a good father when everybody's looking, then I have a different thing I have to work on in my life because I should be a good father when nobody's looking. Especially in those moments. I challenge you fathers, if you'll learn how to do this in your life and learn how to be a good father when nobody's looking, you won't have very many problems over here being a good father when everyone is. And it'll come a place in your life that it'll fit better than, what do we say? Don't do as I do. Do as I say. You all are guilty of that. I see. We're, we're, sharing, in our, we're sharing in our things. How many, I mean, if you're a student or you're young, if you have parents, you can think, how many of them you ever thought, man, you do the same thing that you tell me you don't want me to do? I don't get that. Or your kids will say to you one day, well, I just want to go out and make my own mistakes. You made your mistakes. Why can't I go make my mistakes? I mean, that's insanity when you really think about it. <laughs> Nothing good happens when we're left to ourselves. And Paul realizes this, and he wants them. He wants them to always obey, not just in his presence, but when he's absent. Not just when your wife's in the room, but when she's absent. You know, you should take, a, you know how you saw this in my marriage counseling? I did. I would say, if you're a husband, if you're going to get married, here's what you're going to do. I want you to go print a life-size picture of your wife. You're soon to be, and you're going to carry it everywhere you go. And you're going to introduce her to everybody you see. Now, it might seem a little weird, but when you're off on your own, and, and people look at what are you doing? Yeah, this is my wife, Fennell, and I just, I just want to introduce you to her, and I just want you to know that I'm married. Because this, I can, you can probably put in your pocket. You, but yeah, you want to be able to be a husband when nobody's looking. Now, Richie is a printer, and for several thousand dollars, he will print you a life-size picture of your wife, guys. <laughs> and now I know you're thinking that's probably pretty expensive, but isn't she worth it? I mean, isn't she really worth it? I mean, to, to have that, and you could put your kids on the other side. I mean, he'll make you a package deal. <laughs> this is my family. This is everywhere I go. Here's my family. I'm taking them with me everywhere I go. This is an important thing for us because I have to be a father all the time. And I can't be a good father unless I learn how to be a good son. Don't ask God to intervene in your kid's life more than you're willing to ask God to intervene in yours. Now you probably wish you had a pen. Jason, we need more pens. You write that down. Maybe you could think of it later. You'd be going, it'll come out later like, what did he say? Intervene in my kid's life even when I don't care. Yes, that's, I think that's what it was. I mean, I'm going to, you know. No, don't ask God to intervene in your kid's life more than you're willing to ask God to intervene in yours. In fact, reverse it around. God, 
intervene in my life first. Help me to know you. I'm not perfect. I don't know what to do. I'm really struggling with this situation. But I give you permission, God, to intervene in my life so that you have access to my kids. I'm glad that we don't have a don't do as I do, do as I say. I'm glad that God led us. Jesus led us. He said, do as I do. Do what I say. When's the last time your kids found you reading the Bible in the living room? I want that to happen. I, I share this message out of pain because I'm at 11 o'clock last night and I'm having to come to Jesus. I'm like, God, you got to get somebody else to preach this message. This is hard stuff. And fathers, I shared it with you because this is a lifelong journey that we have to do, that we have to go together. We do better as a team. We do better when we can, we can help each other out. But when we're off on our own, and we want to lead our family the way we want to lead our family. It's hard to be a father in those moments. we got to be a good son. That's my point in this whole part is we got to be a good son. How, you got to be a good son before you can be a good father. Let's me look at verse 14 here. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Okay, let's just forget 14. Let's get that out of there. <laughs> I don't like 14. What is it? No, we have to. 14 is there for us. Do everything without complaining. Again, he uses these definites. I don't like those definites because, guys, do you ever complain? No, oh, hold on. Ladies, do they ever complain? <laughs> You're probably not going to tell the truth. I just complain a little bit. Do everything without. It's not with complaining. I complain a lot. I'm a big baby. I'm a very selfish person. You know, my daughter goes and does photography with me. Do you think I go take pictures with her because she likes taking pictures? No, she goes with me to take pictures. I like taking pictures. She wants to play in her room. And I've got to learn how to be in her room. You should see me. I got these little tiny chairs and I'm sitting in the chair. And it's just like, and she's like, okay, dad, now we're going to do this. I'm like, okay. Those are harder moments to, to, you know, when you're not, it doesn't fit well in your life. But do everything without complaining so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault and a crooked and depraved generation. Now, listen, I have some moments as a dad. I had a hard time picking out which one I was going to tell you. But I've had some moments of some no-no moments as a, as a parent. But my son was about 12 years old, maybe 11, yeah, about 12 years old. And I decided I was going to take him to a concert. We'd been through a lot. And I, I said, I'm going to get some tickets. We're going to go to this concert. And so I buy him. I hand him to him. He was so excited. He was like, we went and saw Third Day. We were going to go see them. I don't know if you ever saw Third Day. But we were really excited about going to see them. And uh, so I, I, we get up the next day. And we're going to go to the concert. And one of the things we, we like to do together, we'd go to the 7-Eleven and get a chili dog together. Right? And so, oh, don't judge me. I mean, you probably, <laughs> they were all beef. They were all beef lips, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but, but no, we would go in there, and we loaded it up. We walked out of that 7-Eleven. We were so happy. We knew we were going to make a mess, and it was him and I. We were going to go have some fun. And as we're walking back to the car, I said, hey, man, you got those tickets? And he goes, oh, Dad, I left them at home. And I'm like, and we're, like, this concert's starting in, like, 20 minutes and we're all the way in Fort Myers. Now, like Moses coming down the mountain, I had a little bit of a fit. 
In fact, I got in my car and I'm yelling at my son, how could you do it? I'm like doing everything you should not do in that moment. I literally opened my window and I threw the hot dog out the window and it rolled down 41. <laughs> and I, all the way home, I berated my son. I was like, how could you do that? Man, the concert's going to be over. We're going to get there. Hey, it's just not going to. And so we walk, we get in and I grab the tickets off and I walk out and now he's crying in the car and he doesn't even want to go to a concert anymore. And I'm like, okay, we, let's go. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Let's go. Let's, let's just make the best of this. And we didn't talk much all the way there. We're going down I-75 and I look it over, which is now the Hertz Arena. And I'm driving by 60, 70 miles an hour. And I look over to the left. I'm like, man, that parking lot is empty. I'm like, third day sucks, man. They didn't even get a crowd. I mean, there's nobody that showed up for their concert. And so I pull out my tickets, and the concert was the night before. (laughs) So my son got to have a moment. Let's just say I didn't leak it out real fast because he didn't look to the left and not see any cars in there. And finally, I had to look at him, and I pulled over, and I said, buddy, it was yesterday, and I messed up. And he was a better father to me than I was to him. He looked at me, and he said, Dad, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll go do something else. Let it go. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. If I could have rewound the tape, I probably could have had a hot dog, too. But I, <laughs> but I, <laughs> but now I'm embarrassed and hungry. <laughs> and my son is being a better father than I am. And I had to learn in that moment that I needed to be a good son before I could be a good father. And I have other moments that would just make you laugh, but I've had to come, and him and I, we've had, we've had our good conversations. To the best that I can, I've, I've put those things in place in my life with him. There's more to words than just complaining and arguing. Don't miss in verse 14. Let me read it again. Do everything without complaining and arguing. You can do this, and you can look at this in perspective of family, that if I'm just complaining about my family and my marriage or my finances or my house or my health, or you can just list everything up, your car, whatever it is uh, you know, that, that you got going on in your life, there's plenty to complain about. But there's a different part of this that I want you to get. I want you to shift it over just a little because we're not really complaining. Paul's not talking about complaining and arguing with your wife and kids. He's trying to tell us that we're complaining to God. And that's a different thing. When I can look at God and say, God, if, I mean, I know they're my kids, but, I mean, if, if, if you could, you know, they're just driving me crazy, God. I just need a, I need a hand here, you know. And, it, I mean, I can't believe that they would do that. And, and it's not even asking for help. It's just when you're complaining about your life, you're complaining to God that somehow he's messed up. And he's put you in this situation in your life, and you don't know what to do about it, but we just, we're just, as guys, we're, as fathers, we're so used to complaining. We're so used to being in that place, and, we got, and Paul's telling us, it's not with our families. You stop complaining with God, and you'll quit complaining with your family. 
because you'll have a place to resolve it with him. He's never going to, you're never going to dump things on him that he doesn't help you. But if you just dump on your family like I dumped on my son that day, that doesn't help. You only need four or five of those situations in your life and you won't speak anymore. And I realize that we probably have that in the room today. We have difficult, difficult father, son, and daughter uh, relationships that have gone you know, uh, astray. And I realize that. But if you're a father in here and you're part of that, you got to be able to look to the father first and go, God, you know, forgive me. I need you to forgive me for what I said. I need you to forgive me for what I did. I need you to forgive me of those things. And Lord, I, I, forgive me of complaining. Help me, Lord, that I could just come to you and I need to be a son right now. Help me be a son. There's a bigger mission if I'm going to be a good father, I first have to learn how to be a good son. There's a good quote by Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry wrote a, uh, uh, some commentaries. It's a very general commentary. It really doesn't go too deep. But one of the things is he, Matthew Henry wrote a commentary on the Bible for his children. I mean, that's an incredible father. I'm going to write a whole, a whole commentary on the whole Bible to explain all the verses and all the books and everything so that they could have a better understanding of God. I've never done that. <laughs> I pray for dinner. I hope that helps. I pray for my daughter at night. I hope that helps. But I, I have to have a greater heart. But he said this. He said, the child, children of God should differ from the sons of men. We have to differ. Again, I can be a perfect father just in the natural. I could do all, which we're not. We're not, none of us, not very many of us fall into that category but I hope that my life and my relationship with God will reflect over to them so that they can see what God is doing in my life here and not just in the moment that I need them to do what I need them to do or not to make the decision that they're going to make. We should differ from the world. We should differ so that we know that as I have a relation, an ongoing relationship with God, that I'm never complaining with him, that I'm always trusting in him, that he's helping me. We sang some wonderful songs today. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. I mean, it's a tough, tough world that we have to raise our kids in today. We have to lead them and guide them and help them and pray for them and encourage them. And, we, and he's wanting us to, to hold on and do those things. But how can we do that? The song that I wrote, Home, that bridge in there I love. I didn't really see it until we were singing it in second service. There's a place where I can stand in the light without fear or shame. That's not me living in my own thing. That's me being a good son and the father so that I could let him work through me and that I could be what I need to be to my family. Verse 15, it says, it, it, I gave you the first half of 15. It's, it says, uh, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved world. The other half says, in which you will shine like stars in the universe. So you've stood out in the night sky? Yeah? yeah? You've stood out in the night sky? You got to see the Milky Way? Anybody seen the Milky Way? 
Seen it like, like being out in West and where you, it's just really amazing. We got to go out to um, Wyoming and we got, we were up on this big hill and as a family we were up there, we got to go out and there's just no lights around. The Milky Way is amazing. But when you look up at the sky, what light is shining? Help me out. I can't promise you that your answer is right because the one I'm thinking of is right. So, but it might be a good answer. What, what's shining in the, in the sky? The stars are shining, right? But is it really the stars that are shining? What's shining? The sun is shining. Where's the sun? Hmm? The sun is not out, right? So what's shining on the stars? The reflection. Thank you. The reflection. It's the reflection of the sun. When you read that, you will shine like the stars in the universe. I'm going to be my best father when I let the father shine on me. When I stand in his reflection, this is where you have to start as fathers. You have to start by standing there. Then you can stand over here. They will see, the re what? They'll see that reflection. You have to ask yourself, what reflection do they see? If it's not God's reflection, what reflection is it? Because I can tell you, my son that day, I, he saw a lot of my anger. He saw a lot of my frustration. I reflected a lot of things. I can tell you, I did not reflect the love of God in that moment. He did a better job later of reflecting that back to me. But Paul's saying, I, I want you to shine like the stars in the universe as you hold out or hold on out of the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ. Our mission as a father is to lead our kids to Christ. That is our mission. And all you have to do to begin that mission is to say, God, help me. I'm lost, and I need you. Will you shine on me? Will you reflect on me? I, that, that doesn't give you some of the answers that you're going to need or doesn't necessarily give you the conversations, but you have to let God clean you up first. You have to let him work in your heart first. And then you come over here, and you might have to repent about some things, and you might have to, I've had to tell my son, I said, look, man, be better than me. I give you permission to be better. Don't look at me and wish that I could have been this or that. I'm sorry for those things. I can't change those things, but you have permission to be better than me. And maybe in a few generations, we'll get this thing right. We'll get this thing right as a father. Philippians 1.6, which is earlier, Paul is trying to help them understand that he's being passionate about the advancing of the gospel. And he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. I need that. I need that as a father. I need to be able to know that I'm going to walk out of this building today just like you're going to walk out of this and I'm going to have to lead my family. I'm going to have to trust in him. I'm going to have, not when people are looking, but when they're not looking. And I want my family to have the best of me, not just the leftovers of me. But I'm calm, be confident that God's going to finish the work. You don't have, he'll finish it. You just got to stand and reflect. 
You just got to bring yourself in that place and stay there. Remain there. Then it'll get easier over here. He'll do the hard work in your kid's life. He'll do the hard work in their hearts. Because why? Because that verse is for them too. He's going to finish what he started in them. We got to be good sons before we can be good fathers. Do me a favor. Father, stand up. I want to pray a blessing over you. I want to give you a chance just to shine. I want you to give you a chance to let the Lord's light. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. And I want, to, want you to let the Lord reflect on you. And like I stood in my office last night and I just let the Lord reflect on me. And I said, Lord, I, I want to give you permission. Lord, I want to give you permission to intervene in my life. Can you give him permission to intervene in your life? Can you give him permission to stick his finger in your life and stir things around the way he wants them? Even if you are well accomplished, Dad, there's more to do. Or if you're just starting, or you aspire one day to be a father. Lord, help us. Intervene in us. Help us to stand in, the, in your light and reflect on the things that are in our hearts. Father, you see what's in our hearts. You see the things we need to change. You see the things that we need to do. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would just hear these cries right now as they let the light of the Lord shine in their life. He's going to expose some of those areas. He's going to expose your anger. He's going to expose your frustration. It's okay. He's never going to rub your nose in it. That's not the heart of the Father, but He does want you to know that He sees it. And just ask the Lord right now, Lord, forgive me of those things that I could walk with you, that I could stand. I want to be a reflection to my kids. Lord, they're grown. They're out of, I, I don't know if I can do anything, but Lord, I'm going to stand here and let you reflect on me. And I'm going to be a good son and hear my cries. So I'm going to pray a blessing, and then we're going to sing a blessing over you. So Heavenly Father, do me a favor, ladies, others in the room, just look around, find somebody that God puts on your heart, reach your hand out towards them. This is just in faith, just to say, because we're having a moment here for them. They need it. We need it. We need all the help and prayer we can get to do this. Father, we pray that your kingdom would come in these fathers' lives. I pray, Lord, that you would move in them, all of them, that your work would be done. I pray, Lord, that you would just let them be in your presence with all of their faults and everything they need to work on in their life, that they could just stand and let you see them for who they are. Help them be good sons to you that you would be the Lord of their life, the Lord of their actions, the Lord of their tongue, the Lord of their eyes, their hands and their feet, the Lord of their thoughts, that we could be good fathers. Help them to be good fathers right now. Impart in them, Lord, the things that you want to do in their life. I 
thank you for your mercies, your fresh mercies, that you're going to finish what you've started. I pray for those kids in their life that are lost. They, Lord, you would watch over them and protect them. And we just agree in Jesus' name right now, Lord, that you would bring them home and finish what you started in their life. Reflect in them, Lord. Reflect your mercies and grace. Just talk to the Lord to say, God, I need you. God, I need you. Help me, I need you, Lord. Help me, Lord. He's got a greater work. Guard our tongues. Help us to be long-suffering, be patient and kind. More, Lord, more. It's okay to take a minute or two with the Lord. Man, we're gonna, you're going to be out there way more than in here in a few minutes, so you need it. It's okay to stand and take it in. I'm going to invite the rest of you to stand. And we're going to sing together. And we're going to ask God to bless you and keep you. And his face would shine on you. So let's worship together as we close.